following program is sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Homebridge Financial Services. Welcome to Open House with Team Reba. Each week, Team Reba will be bringing you a roundup of real estate and mortgage news, along with information about the local Puget Sound region, highlighting some of the best and brightest entertainment options, family events, neighborhood highlights, and local business interviews, so you can feel right at home in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome once again to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hass of Team Reba, REMAX Metro East Side. And Eric Osnes here from Homebridge Financial Home Mortgage. And we are going to jump right in today because when we finished last week's show, we were talking about things like Airbnb, short-term rental, that kind of thing. And we got through a lot of the material, but we didn't quite get through everything. So we're going to kind of bypass some of our normal start because we also have a really great guest today. So we want to make sure for any of you who chose to come back and listen to the balance of what we were talking about from last week's show, we want to get right into it and so last week we covered, you know, thinking of location, financing, you know, local laws, things like that. Um, also the fact that, you know, Eric had a class that was earlier this week about financing for things like that. But now we want to try and cover before we bring our guest on things like setup management and safety around any kind of short-term rental you might be considering. Right. What do you do when you finally found the property and mm-hmm. you own it? Now yeah. what? Yeah. And you said that you, because you've, done this way longer than I have. Mm-hmm. And you said you had a bunch of things like tricks of the trade. Right, right. I started my my first short-term rentals in 2001 and been going at it pretty much ever since then. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's some things as far as the setup goes, you know, if you're using Verbo or Airbnb, mm-hmm. you know, there's contracts, there's the the systems for for doing the rentals is easier than it used to be back in 2001 when yeah. we didn't really have those Internet choices was still available. Fairly new. <laughs> well, it was it wasn't certainly what it what wasn't what it is now. So so yeah. the the we online booking. We didn't even booking, have Airbnb. Right, exactly. I had to do manual calendars and all of that. Mm-hmm. So the online booking is 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 pretty straightforward right now, but I still really really strongly recommend you talk with an attorney first, say, hey, I'm doing this. What do I need to know to protect myself? That's number one. Um, Number two is, um, you know, management. Are you going to have a property manager? Mm -hmm. And if so, are they doing the marketing? Are they doing just the management? Right. How do you integrate that? Right. You you have to have a clear contract and a clear Mm -hmm. understanding of that. Yeah. So it makes sense because there's some companies out there, like one that's known is called Vacasa. They charge upwards of like 30%. depends on your marketplace what mm-hmm. they charge, but they charge upwards of 30% of the revenue. And, you know, they have their own cleaning crews. They have maintenance, things like that. But what you're also doing is competing with them mm-hmm. as well because they also own three to 500 units along right. the West mm-hmm. Coast, yeah. right? So knowing the questions to ask, like, does that company just do management? Do they own their own? How do they manage all that? Mm-hmm. But they do have the staffing to handle all of that, right? So if it if it financially makes sense for you to still do it, mm-hmm. or what we didn't really get into last week is, is maybe you just want, maybe you're not trying to make a ton of money, but you're just trying to offset the cost of owning a second home. Mm-hmm. Sure. You, know, you may not necessarily be like, hey, I, I expect to make a ton of extra revenue. You, maybe you're just saying, I want something to kind of right. help offset the costs while I have it for the future, and I get to use it some myself. Right. Right. Yeah. Sort of a reverse timeshare. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you from having worked with agents in lots of other markets, 
many of the agents in the different marketplaces also have property management available that mm-hmm. may be at different rates. Um, but you do have to ask, like, what exactly do you offer? Right. And I've I've had both good and bad experiences mm-hmm. with some of the local agents and, and even with some local property management yeah. you know, companies where the, the, the they're not you just have to make sure that they've got good reputations. Check their reviews. Check their mm-hmm. references. Make sure they're reliable. Yeah, that's the that's the key, I think. Right. Uh, because even with the aspect of maintenance, things are going to break, mm-hmm. and you have yes. to structure your your unit to the lowest common denominator. And I'm not <laughs> what joking do you mean about by that. that. <laughs> well, uh, you were talking on the uh, earlier. Um, uh, show a, I think it was during a break or something mm-hmm. about somebody couldn't know how to operate the mini split. Yeah, I've been I've been TV. considering not using VRBO because their ads for one say you get the house 100% to yourself and I'm making a second unit in mine, but mm-hmm. secondly, I I mostly have I hate to say it but like some folks that are kind of older population that don't know how to use a mini split mm. and I get the most stressful calls cuz they can't figure out how to turn the heat on. Right. I, I've had I, I one of the first things I did I take pictures of the remotes mm-hmm. because I'll get the call and it's usually yeah. ten ten thirty at night. I think the TV's broken. It's yeah. like, well, what do you mean? Well, it says you know HDMI one on it. I'm like, okay, so that's an input. Grab your remote. Yeah. You see that button in the top left corner? And I've got a picture. I'm looking yeah. at my phone. Otherwise, I'd have no clue. Right. You know how to? Yeah, get I've them, had to do that get too. Get back on track. Yeah. You know, but but so so just simple things like that. Um, but. So the, the maintenance aspect of it, I had one client once that broke a, a water system mm. and I said, don't touch it. You know, I'll, I'll come out. I was an hour and a half away. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time I got there, yeah, I took it all apart and it looks like I broke this part. And it's like, mm-hmm. the nearest part was in Bellingham. You yeah. Know? So uh, things will break. So either, And people you gotta, think they're helping you. I've actually uh-huh. had three times where someone's like, well, my husband's a contractor. And I'm like, no. Don't touch. Don't touch anything right like no, oh. no so make sure and, and i would also say make sure you have spare parts mm-hmm. make sure you have extra things on site even maybe if it's in a lockable bin if it's light bulbs or yeah or or things that might break that you could easily just swap out or sort yeah. out you know to have that available. and make sure you're also putting like you talked about safety is a thing you have to think about too but also theft mm-hmm. because even though it's tiny little things People will treat your short-term rental like yeah. a hotel. Right. And if they see extra toilet paper, they see extra – sometimes much more of it will go away than you anticipate. So many people do set up closets, lockers, whatever, mm-hmm. for either their personal goods and or for their cleaning crews to access. And the accessory stuff. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I, a lockable closet is, is yeah. I think, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, also, who's going to do the housekeeping? You know, Are you yeah. hiring somebody to do the housekeeping? That's mm-hmm. great. If you're going to yep. do it yourself, I'd recommend have at least three sets of everything. Yes. And so Same. that way, when you come in, you pull the old stuff off, mm-hmm. you put the new stuff on. Take the old stuff home with you, wash mm-hmm. it, and it's ready to go for the next turn. Yep. Uh, but but have three just in case something is that's exactly irredeemably lost or, right? or whatever. Well, I mean, I've even had a situation where, in one case, uh, originally my laundry was not available to my guests, mm-hmm. and they had a they had an infant with them. 
Yeah. And you know how many clothes an infant goes through. <laughs> right. They weren't even there for like a whole week, but they were like, is there any way? Because like, you know, yeah. they're making a mess out of things. And I'm like, you know what? We're going to do that. So yeah. that, which is one of the reasons why, as I did my um, new, you know, uh, basement remodel, we actually separated out and have two separate laundries now. So that mm-hmm. one for the upper section, one for the mm-hmm. lower section. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then that is actually intended because I do have cleaning crews. I don't do it myself mm-hmm. um, because I, I don't have the time to drive two hours or sometimes three in bad traffic to head up to that location and just do a quick turnaround. Like mm-hmm. that's just not a thing for me. Right. And I'm not using my place as often as say you are yours. Mm-hmm. You use yours way more than I do mine. Mm-hmm. So for me, I have a local cleaning company that I'm working with regularly and they actually have access to my calendar for my rentals. And, and then they can monitor and do their staffing appropriately, Perfect. which is phenomenally wonderful to right. have. Yep. Right. If you get a good crew um, and make sure and like check rates and again, reviews on those people, because like I started out with somebody else who was I knew she was expensive, but I hadn't had time yet to shop it around. And then I gave her an opportunity to try and match the mm-hmm. the price point of the other person and she opted not to do it. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. But she was doing deep clean between every every person. And it was like. That seemed like a bit much. Mm-hmm. Like we do one deep clean per month, but then it's, you know, it's I think do the that's, change. That's about right. I think that's, that's yeah. good. I yeah. mean, because you don't have to get into deep, deep right. dust and mop and all the other stuff. Like main areas, yeah, bathrooms, kitchens, you need that stuff done. Right. And I can tell you also pay attention to who's renting, um, like if there's kids. Yes. And God bless them. I love them. And dogs. Little kids and dogs. Because mm-hmm. if you have windows uh, mm-hmm. and there's little kids, you're going to have to wash the windows. There's yep. little handprints everywhere. And, you know, that's just kids yeah. being kids. Yeah. Uh, but that means extra work, you know, when, it's, when things are getting cleaned. Yep. So all of yeah. those. Because the dogs get their noses on the windows. <laughs> yes, so do. it's a, a very similar thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Safety-wise, and also, here's the other thing. Just like in my regular real estate world, keys. Oh, my God, the keys. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. So be thinking about whether or not you want to do code locks, Bluetooth access, yeah. regular locks, key boxes. You know, you're going to do what's the most appropriate for you and, and what works for the building and your access and all that kind of thing. Um, but always have backups Mm-hmm. And make sure that the people also servicing your place don't think those backs up, backups are for them to have carrying around. Keep, right. I had I've I've had two times where I've had guests lock themselves out, and I thought I had an extra key, but I found out my cleaning person mm-hmm. had put it on their key ring for for ease. And I'm like, you know what? I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to spend the extra thirty seconds getting into the lockbox mm-hmm. because like, I just can't have you like carry it around. Right. One, it's not secure. Right. For you to do that. And two, it's there as a backup in the event a guest loses and or locks them inside or walks out without them. You have two key boxes, one the backup yeah. and one the backup for the backup. Exactly. And I the, these it sounds silly, but these are are issues that will save you hours and hours of time because yes. just one time 
things don't go right. And, and hundreds of, sudden, of dollars of locksmith you're, costs. You're driving an hour and a half or two hours, you know, mm-hmm. to get out to the get out to the place. Or if you're like I was at one time, I was on a business trip and had to hire a locksmith to go out. That's usually when it will happen. Uh, almost always, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's almost always. <laughs> you're trying to have some time off, and all saying. of a sudden you're stressed out. Right. Um, also, disclaimers in the event of power outages yeah. or cable being down or internet being down. Right. You know that who's responsible is mm-hmm. there going to be a refund policy? Right. Um, refund policy. Yes. You know that's one you're going to have to cancellation policy. Very close, close. Uh, you know, attention to because mm-hmm. if you're too liberal on it, then you're going to get taken advantage of, mm-hmm. and so it needs to be needs to be reasonable. Yeah, if you're fair. too strict, you may not get as many bookings. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it all depends. There's also ways that you can kind of work around that to get what's going to be the best guess Absolutely. for you. Good, right? Yeah. So right. anyway, we covered a bunch in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. But when we get back after these messages, we're gonna uh, we won't necessarily go into the HOA side of things as short-term rental, but we do have a really great guest, Rebecca Bays from CIC Consulting coming on and a great service for people to learn about. On AM 1300, The Answer. to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes here from Homebridge Financial Home Mortgage. And Reba has from Team Reba. We're here every Saturday at 2. Sundays at 3. And always on podcasts. Yes, with over 280 episodes. Yay. Seven years of content. That's right. That's so, right. yeah, we love bringing great content to our listeners. And today is no different we have a wonderful guest, Rebecca Bays, who is the owner of CIC Consulting. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, super excited to have you here. Um, I'm going to give a little bit of um, just quick background of like how I got to know you, Rebecca, but then I'm going to let you talk about who you are and what your business is. But as a, uh, a REMAX agent, my office had you come in as a speaker, and I was so impressed with everything that I heard and the very different kind of business that you have that I was like, I got to have you on our show. I got to get this out, not just among agents, but like just everybody needs to know you exist <laughs> is how I saw it. Well, um, thank you. That's great to hear. Yeah. So, um, so Rebecca, do our listeners a favor, um, let them know. So who are you and your company and just give us a little bit of background, please. Sure. My name is Rebecca Bays with CIC Consulting Group, and I help make resale certificates simple. I've been working with condos and homeowners associations for about 20 years, doing everything from new construction, condo conversion projects, homeowner association loans and in finance. Um, and then I've been an independent consultant for about eight years, doing some of all of that, depending on the needs of my clients. So I do a lot of work with boards um, and homeowner associations directly, and then with the onset of COVID and everybody getting familiar with Zoom, I developed a much more in-depth review service for condo buyers who can then sit in on a Zoom meeting and get some analysis of what they might be purchasing. So my business has definitely changed and grown, but it's all been centered and based on my experience. Which I find tremendously helpful because one of the things that you really brought up when you were doing the session with our Remax office is, you know, we as agents, real estate brokers, 
we actually have to be very careful about what it is that we make as recommendations or not to our clients when they are purchasing within a homeowner association or condo building, right? Because an example I'm going to give is uh, when you and I were kind of talking about you coming on the show, it's like one horrible (laughs) situation that comes up all the time is you'll get this generic statement, a listing agent has a condo and they say, great condo, HOA, wonderful reserves, very secure, you know, like, you know, like they'll come up with all this language around like great place because they've got lots of money, you know, like they'll they'll, they'll give this image of something that you're like, "Mm, is that really true? Right? So give our, give anyone listening to this um, a sample of like, what does that mean? Like when you're saying you're going to do this in-depth, you know, look at the HOA resale certificate and all those documents that come with it, what kind of things are you covering? Yes, lots of things, actually, of course. And it all fits together. I think that's one of the challenges is unless you look at the financials for two, you know, all of the financials, unless you read the reserve study, unless you really understand the governing documents and what they're obligated to do, it's really hard to just pull one document and have an opinion. Mm-hmm. So I, I work really hard to, I use a lot of terms like I connect all the dots between the documents. I look for the clues that the meeting minutes reference that tell us something that we can only find if we look back at the financials and say, oh, here's what they did. Um, I also see the reserve study being a useful tool, but it's also a, a somewhat of a dangerous tool because somebody will look at a reserve study and look at one item or one line item or one number and, and say that's good mm-hmm. or that's bad. Can you give that's a quick description of what a reserve study is, though, for our listener who may not know? Sure. A reserve study is a document that is required by state law. Um, all condominiums and now common interest communities are required to get a reserve study every year. And the reserve study serves a few functions. One, it identifies what are all the components the association is responsible for during a 30-year period. Replacement, not just maintain them, but replace Mm -hmm. major things, not things you just handle in your regular operating budget. Then the reserve study says, here's how old they are, and here's when you need to replace them, and here's the potential cost. Then the reserve study also recommends to the association, here's how much money you should put aside over time, your funding contribution as part of your regular dues, so you have the money when you need it. And part of the goal of the reserve study is to help associations avoid special assessments. Mm -hmm. If they follow the reserve study, they have a lower risk of a large special assessment than if they just ignore the reserve study. Rebecca, uh, Eric here. So I've reviewed hundreds of resale certificates and in, mm-hmm. in my my role is as a as a mortgage lender and I could probably count on one hand the number that were 100% financed in other words that the mm-hmm. the recommended reserves uh, amounts were actually being collected by the HOA what's your experience with that how do you see the majority of HOAs are fairly well you know financed like that they're doing a pretty good job of sticking to the reserve schedule no, 
<laughs> I think it's opposite. Yeah. And, and I do a lot of, you know, I, I compile the data that I have, and, and I do attend a lot of events, and I listen to other providers and other industry experts. And, and generally, the, cons- the consensus is about 5% of associations in the state are at or near fully funded. Okay. So 95% of associations are not near fully funded. And in my data, I'm seeing median is about 35%. Can, can, can about, we, Rebecca, if you don't mind, just for a quick second, I want to give a look. Someone could hear that. And immediately be like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with all these people? For context, the state of Washington didn't require reserve studies universally until 2012. Mm-hmm. So let's be, let's be realistic. We've got 10 years for a lot of these organizations to kind of get on board and, and start doing this. So the good news is if you're somebody looking at this uh, as an option for you, it's now in place. Prior to 2012, we didn't even have these. So yay, yay, they're here. (laughs) But now we have to have like, what's the mechanism for comparing, right? And and if you're going to consider buying into an HOA condo, uh, know what you're looking at and the why, right? Don't just jump in and all of a sudden be like, oh, you Mm -hmm. people are terrible. Like that's not the case. Uh, It's it's Uh also they have to slowly rise those... HOA dues up to again also now still make them affordable because condos are still one of the more affordable options for housing. Oh, absolutely! I, I just, in fact, I just looked at listings in King County under mm-hmm. like five hundred thousand. Yeah, and there's it's mostly there's all about six hundred of them. Yeah, you know, but but yeah, the majority of those are condos. Yeah, so yeah, or townhouses. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so I, I just like to give a little context to sometimes we're not trying Rebecca. to scare anybody, right? Because that's the whole thing is like we're not doing this to say don't buy in a condo. It's like, no, 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 like, just understand where we're at with them right now. And in contrast, if you buy a house, you have no reserve study. Exactly. And (laughs) you have to figure this out. Your personal HOA, meaning your bank balance, you know, could have Mm -hmm. a... A A big special assessment. assessment. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And then, you know, that that percent funded is a a very significant point for context. Mm -hmm. Because people look at that one number and say, well, that's good or bad. Right. That doesn't have any relationship to when the expenses show up. So, for example, I've seen associations that were 10% funded, and they're really healthy because they just did all the work, and they have Mm -hmm. time to recover and pay and Mm -hmm. contribute to get to their next project. So 10% funded is healthy Mm -hmm. in that scenario. Sure. I've seen an association that was 70% funded, and they need $2 million special assessment next year. But they're seven, they have 70% of the fully funded balance, but the expense shows up next year. So yeah. they can't quite pay for that expense. So well, percent funded is a really, it, it's a benchmark and it's a number, but it's not the number to hang your hat on. It's one of those connect the dot pieces. And it's an important one, right. but it's just one of them. Yeah. Got it. And one other clarifying question too for you, Becca. So I know, um, you know, the condo associations are supposed to do a reserve study annually. Uh, but isn't there, aren't there some provisions that, uh, that if it's a undue financial hardship on the HOA, they can do it like every three years or isn't, are, are there some provisions if it's a small condo project? I can't remember if it's four units or five units or something like that, that they don't have to do the reserve studies. 
there are a few opt-outs for for that, and actually our new state law in 2018, RCW 6490, mm-hmm. a couple provisions of that, like Iowa sometimes referred to, there are several provisions of that 2018 law that override all the others, and uh-huh. one of those is the requirement for reserve studies. Mm-hmm. There Got are it. still a few options to opt out. But the the intent is to mandate for all associations to get a reserve study. Got it. Got it. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, and many of them in the three year. It's a because you and I were talking about this. It doesn't necessarily mean it's in depth in that three year. Mm-hmm. Right. Could be an update. Yeah. Yeah. The statute requires an on site study every three years and an update annually. The on-site has to be prepared by a reserve study professional. The updates do not. But most association reserve study providers offer now a three-year contract. So they do the on-site, then they do two years of updates. So it's a package deal. That's that's becoming more common, which is one reason we're seeing more reserve studies is because they're in it for three years. So we can assume for three years they'll have one. Right. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Excellent. Um, the other question has to do with I, there's especially a lot of these bigger projects around where they have water intrusion issues, failed siting, drive it, you know, wind driven rain issues and things like that, where there's there's repairs that need to be made, but there's also insurance claims mm-hmm. and potentially litigation as well. How, how do you advise clients when you've got a project that's just not straightforward? Yes, well, what we love is identified risk. We love buying condos where we know the risk. If there's identified risk, that's excellent because then you can decide whether you accept that risk. Mm -hmm. So it all depends where they are in that process. If Mm -hmm. it's really early and we don't even have investigation reports and we have no idea if it's a million-dollar project or a $10 million project, that's a different discussion than Mm -hmm. we have bids and we don't know when it'll happen, but we know numbers. So it all right. just depends on, can you really try to identify that risk? Got okay. it, got it. We have to take a real quick break here, uh, but stay tuned. and we'll, uh, Hang on if you could. we got more Open House with Team Reba coming up. Open House with Team Reba on AM 1300, The Answer. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hass of Team Reba, REMAX Metro East Side. And Eric Oz is here from Homebridge Financial Home Mortgage. And, and we still yeah. have on with us Rebecca Bays from CIC Consulting. So I'm assuming the CIC in your consulting is the common interest community? It is. Okay. All right. Well, we're going we're gonna to get into uh, some of that, a little bit of the comparison of the CIC versus you know, kind of the, the prior condo HOA type stuff, because that, that was a change in 2018, but we'll get, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, okay. So you were saying, you know, looking at, looking at identified risk, right? Reserve studies yeah. is one really big element of that. You're talking about connecting in the dots. What else are we connecting that reserve study dot to in your review? What are they, what are they doing compared to what the reserve study recommends they do? Because if the re- you get a reserve study, it doesn't mean they're following it. Yes. And there can be a big variation in are they accepting those recommendations and following them, or are they reading it and putting it aside and not following it? So that's an important risk factor is are they doing what they should, or are mm. they not? And how will someone know that? Where do they find that dot? Uh, it's, 
experience. <laughs> well, well, I'm assuming like things through like uh, board meeting minutes and the budget. Yeah, the budget for sure. So one one specific tangible way to try to look at it is what does the reserve study recommend for the contribution for the year? Mm-hmm. Then you go look at the budget and see what are they actually contributing as part of your regular dues. That's a, that's a dot to connect. Got it. And um, no, that that all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, okay. One of the the questions that I guess I, we kind of touched on it briefly, but you, you, you mentioned just before the break, the term identified risk, which mm-hmm. I think is a great, a great term. Oh yeah. You know, if, if, um, and where, where I see it on the lending side come up quite often is if there's pending litigation and uh, with, with our Washington state condo statutes, there are, you know, roving packs of lawyers, you know, marauding around the condo scape, you know, persuading yeah. the homeowners associations yeah. to to sue or to, to sue the developer. You always make this sound like they're running around with like torches and pitchforks. They are. <laughs> they are. I'm not kidding about that. Uh, I know. I've been in I've been in HOA have. meetings where they're trying to persuade people. You've got to sue, and uh, so you know the reason for that is they got to drive a stake in the ground, you yeah. know, to meet the statute of limitations. They do, but sadly, yeah. <laughs> so. So how, how do you advise on, on that topic, Rebecca, when somebody's looking at a condo? It depends on um, new construction, statute of limitation and potential construction defects has changed. The discussion has changed a little bit because the product type has changed. So when we talk new construction defect litigation, there's less, there's different risks because we're building fewer wood frame construction properties. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's still, of course, high risk for construction defect litigation on any new construction. They all go through it because generally they, they should. Every high rise I've ever seen built has had it. Absolutely. And, and that's not even wood frame, but, I mean, but almost all of them have right. it. Right. And those are slightly different. I mean, those. There's different reasons for new construction defect litigation, which should be to protect the association and preserve their insurance ability and make sure the developer did what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So those, of course, occur with every new building. We just have fewer new buildings. Right. Our new buildings now are either high-rise or townhomes. And townhomes are just a different type of a different product. Of course, it still exists. You know, we talk about when I talk to a buyer about that, I, I tend to look at scale. So if it's a really small community, maybe your risk is different than if you're in a high rise. Your costs and your exposure are different depending on number of units and number of buildings. And it's a tough conversation to pinpoint because it's all, they're all different. There's so many variables there. It depends on the structure. Where are they in that stage of defect litigation or not? What are they talking about? And what are the potential issues? Are they mm-hmm. big issues or minor issues? Right. Well, yeah, and it seems to me the biggest fear of, of anybody purchasing a condo is the, the potential for a special assessment. And uh, if there's mm-hmm. pending litigation, that could go either way. You know, there could be a windfall for the HOA if they are successful in, in litigation or, or insurance pays a claim or it could go the other way. You know, if they're not, they're going to end up having to self-finance, you know, required repairs for, for a building. Um, so 
All right. Well, I don't think there's any clear answer, you know, when a buyer, they just need to analyze all of that and try and figure it out. Right. Uh, because, well, I mean, like what she's saying with identifying the risk, mm -hmm. every buyer has a different risk profile. Correct. Right? Like, yes. like I'll use examples that you and I have both worked together on, Eric, of like, you know, we had um, a gal this last year who ended up buying in a townhome where, you know, she's fairly conservative, wanted to make sure that she wasn't buying into a community that had, you know, something massive coming up, mm -hmm. right? Because she only had so much money with which to do her purchase, wasn't necessarily going to have a ton of money after the fact right. um, to, to do more of anything else. So she was looking for move-in ready, stable kind of facility, you know, of location. Um, and I remember us recommending against, there was one place that she fell in love with in Kent that, you it know. It did have pending it, litigation. It had pending. We found out through the grapevine because I had another client already living there. Mm-hmm. And she knew about the pending litigation because there was um, a water intrusion because of wind-driven rain. Yep. And this was a complex with multiple buildings, you yes. know, low-slung buildings, uh, two-story townhome units. And she ended up buying in Milton instead, newer construction, different type of construction that didn't have the same kinds of problems, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but yet we've also had... I've had another client who I was on the listing agent side that kind of to the other Rebecca here on the on this shows, <laughs> um, you know, kind of discussion where we were selling a place that had a minimum, it had a five-year window of when they had higher HOA dues because they also had had a wind-driven rain issue, but theirs had already been um, one, completed, there had been financing that the HOA board had been able to secure for the people who were owners in the building. And then they also had done a slight increase, but reasonable for people to um, be able to afford for them to, to get through that time period. Mm -hmm. But that had a sunset. And then the dues were going to drop $200 a month. And so that was a conversation I had to make sure and have with every single agent who showed it mm -hmm. to say, look, no, this is a temporary higher dues. It looks like this right now. We know that it impacts your clients for purchasing because the dues are part of the qualifying factors for this place. Mm -hmm. However, in this period of time, they will drop and my client will cover this differential over this period of time in the meantime, mm -hmm. right? So someone looking at that's like, oh, well, I'm actually going to end up getting a better deal because the value of that building was lower than comparables because of that dues value. Right. But right. in a year and a half, that was going to change. And then those values were going to pop right back up mm -hmm. because they'd be similar to the other units nearby. Right. Right. right? Yeah. We've, we've had clients multiple times take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing that the value will pop up once once it gets finally, ultimately, eventually resolved. Right. Yeah. And so sometimes yeah. that's a really great thing because we're, we're trying to avoid, we're like you, Rebecca, we're like, we're trying to help them make good decisions with full eyes wide open uh, on all this. But I want to ask you um, for this show too, when you're looking at, because when somebody's purchasing a, a condo uh, with an HOA, there's board meeting minutes. How much do you assign to the review on those board meeting minutes when you're looking at that risk assessment? 
I view those as probably the buyer's favorite documents. They want to know the story. They want to know what are they thinking? What are they talking about? What might they do next year? What Uh is their plan? So meeting minutes are the only document we have to tell the story behind the the other documents, which are fact-based, you know, tangential. They're they're financial. There's a reserve study. But what's the story? It's future-focused, too. Yes, they they can be, yes. And, reserve, and, and meeting minutes can connect the dots between, for example, if I, I read back and I like when we get two years, if I read back and I say, okay, in year one, they, they talked about this. Did they complete it or mm-hmm. did it just fall off? Will they ever complete it? When might they complete it? Or will you now, buyer, have to do this project that they just postponed indefinitely? Right. So meeting minutes really are valuable. They're also difficult to get because there's so many disconnects between who produces them send them to the management company, upload it in the system. There's a lot of, of breakpoints there. So meeting minutes I view as critical for buyers, one of the most critical and one of the most important because people want to know the story. Yeah, you want to know if, you're, if your neighbor, mm-hmm. your new neighbor's the, the crazy one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you will happens. hear about lawsuits, mm-hmm. but like you'll hear about noise complaints, parking, right. crime. By far, they're the most fun. They have some amazing things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, they're amazing. They're frankly, cool. if they're dull, that's not a right. bad sign. <laughs> well, <laughs> those minutes are typically typed up by a by a volunteer, you know, member right. on the board sitting in the HOA meeting, and some of them mm-hmm. have filter, and some don't have filter. <laughs> yeah, some they don't know what they're supposed to be recording too, yeah. so they'll just put everything down. And exactly. some it's like, ah, there's a gap. Right, right. <laughs> what happened? It was long. Some are the play-by-play. So-and-so said this. So-and-so did that. So-and-so yelled back, meeting adjourned. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <They're really funny. laughs> exactly. Yeah, meeting minutes are really important. Um, hey, uh, kind of moving on, I know we got about another minute in this segment here, but bylaws, what are some things that you advise clients on when you're reviewing the, you know, the hundred pages of bylaws and the rules where you can just fog over if you're looking at that, not knowing what you're reading. Bylaws, I, I describe as administrative rules for the association generally. So bylaws are where you can go for how does the board get elected? How many board members should we have? What are the roles of the board? When can you have a dog? Meet? Yeah. Uh, Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes those are in the bylaws. Sometimes that's most often in the declaration, the restrictions on use. Mm-hmm. So you can and can't do this with your property. Bylaws tend to be how should this association function? What is it, the association's uh, administrative duties? When do we have meetings? How do we give notice for meetings? How do we elect people? What happens if a board member quits? What's the, the formal process to elect another board member? Things like that. Yeah. They're important. Um, but they tend to be uh, not as variable mm-hmm. to, yeah. and, and less important to a buyer in many ways because yeah. we want to look mostly at financial risk right. and less at administrative risk, although often administrative risk can lead to financial risk. Yeah, no, absolutely. We usually recommend get involved with the board. Even if you aren't on the board, at least attend some of the meetings so that you can get to know Open who's actually managing. But we'll be right back. On AM 1300, The Answer. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. Eric Osnes here from Homebridge Financial Home Mortgage. And Reba has from Team Reba. And we've got Rebecca Bays here with CIC Consultant talking everything HOA. Thanks again for joining us. 
thanks again for having me. <laughs> so let's make sure, um, because you're giving some really great feedback about like what to look for, how your process works. How could people reach you, Rebecca? Oh, perfect. My website is a good place to go. It's CICConsultingGroup.com, all one word. Okay, CICConsultingGroup.com. Correct. Got it. And is that the best way to reach out to you, or is there also a phone number that people should try and reach out, or do you like have an email or contact form on that site? I do. I have all of it on the site, but of course, feel free to call or email. My number is 425-681-3381, and my email address is Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H, at CICConsultingGroup.com. Okay, fantastic. I'm going to repeat that phone number again, too, because it kind of popped in and out there just a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it's 425-681-3381. Yes, Got thank it. you. All right, yes, perfect. all right, fantastic. So, um, on your website, do you ha- do you have some resources for people to to start getting them educated, or is it just like, hey, hi, here's who I am and what I do, and reach out if you need me? Like, what what will they find? They will find the best way to contact me and a brief overview of services. But stay tuned because there is a lot going on in the background, and it soon will be a host of services and resources. Okay. Well, I know when you and I had opportunity to talk directly after I'd heard you speak at the Remax office, we're definitely going to have you back on because there's so much around what you do. And also, like we're only covering right now, HOA and, um, you know, condo type stuff that is really for everything pre 2018, right? Uh, because in 2018, as you already mentioned, there were some changes and that common interest community is a slightly different animal. So we'll have you back on the show to discuss that um, at a future time. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but let's let's dive back into, so we were talking about like board meeting minutes. So we were talking and, about and, like an engagement board meeting minutes and, and, and you engagement also you know, bylaws and CC&Rs. Um, because to me, the full story, um, not so much the financial, but the the business aspect of, because it is a nonprofit organization, basically, of an HOA, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, you are running a business, and it's a combination of, of actors, because you might be a large enough organization to have a property management company involved, right? And... And so you have a combination of like, is the PM company doing their job? Is the board doing their job? Are the members of the community engaged, right? Um, Because some of the fights that you hear come up in HOAs, because I I have people all the time like, ugh, ugh, I do not want to be part of an HOA. Like, ugh, cannot stand the idea of it. Because they think about like the person who has got the barking dog, the person who runs their dishwasher late at night, the person, you know, who... Your lawn is three quarters of an inch too thick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all those kinds of things. But but the things that I'm, I'm telling people outside of the dollars and cents portion is I'm like, look, if you want to know what kind of community you're going to live in, make sure you go look at those things. Because that'll tell you about noise, animals... Mm -hmm. You know, those types of things, like who's engaged, who's not, how often does the board actually show up 
to do their stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. Like, yes. what what are your recommendations for people in 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 that element of your review? The less black and white. <laughs> you know, a lot of it is is that's a that's the hardest part to evaluate the soft side. How do they behave? How do they function? Sometimes you can get a sense of that just by looking at the community. Does it look neat and tidy? Have they painted ever? Mm-hmm. Are the gutters clean? Is the you know is is the community well cared for? Um, and then when you go to look at the financials, that should match. You should be able to see. So sometimes it is, it, it's less tangible. Um, the meeting minutes can help identify that. Are they organized? Do they meet every month? Do you have a reasonable expectation they will succeed? How do you evaluate that? So mm-hmm. it, that's a tough part because, again, we're talking about humans. And when you put 100 people in a room, you're going to get a lot of variance. And then the next building next door has the exact opposites. So the, right. the lack of um, consistency is consistent. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, you and I were discussing like the difference of like a 12 unit community to say like the insignia towers where there's 700 units in that complex. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there's, there's yeah. a bunch going on there. Plus they also have some commercial spaces and 24 hour concierge and, you know, like they, every, every community has slightly different variables and you really, you, you, they're not truly apples to apples. No. Right. So you can't kind of blanket over, uh, you know, when people think about condos, you know, it, it it's not, an easy decision necessarily. It's like you can kind of narrow down like what are the financial factors, but then I think this this um, service that you offer is is absolutely uh, critical, and I can't wait to have more clients working with you. But we talked about your website earlier. Um, how does somebody like they go to your website, they start engaging with you? What's the typical timeline for that? Like walk us through like somebody reaches out to you. What happens? Yeah, I can typically. Um, review, well, first, my first stage when I do a resale certificate review for a buyer is to go through the document package at a high level to see, did you get what you should? About 95% of the time, I send it back and say something that they're supposed to provide you is missing, like the financial statement or something important that legally should be part of the resale. Okay, so so you're getting the documents from your your client. I was going to ask that if you had a pipeline where like Mm -hmm. condocerts.com or some of the online sources for the documents. So, okay, so those are coming from the client. Probably through a transaction. Mm Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. Yeah, it's on gotcha. a transaction basis. So they send me documents. I say, here's what's missing. Or if it's complete enough, then we can typically schedule our consultation, which I do over Zoom, within 48 hours. And I'm, I'm flexible with this. People work. So I do these in the evenings. I do them on the weekends. And whenever the buyers have the, the capacity to sit down and absorb it all. Got and it. then in that Zoom consultation, I walked them through the documents, and I built some templates to help illustrate some of those concepts. So it becomes a little bit of a presentation where they can absorb financials through charts instead of trying to look at numbers on paper. Mm-hmm. So for again, for the anyone listening to this, um, just so that you're aware, frankly, personal recommendation from an agent broker point of view is reach out to someone like Rebecca, you know, doing this. In fact, she's the only one I know doing this service. Um, Reach out to Rebecca in advance to decide if you're going to utilize this service. So you have her engagement set up in advance. 
um, because here's what you need to know. When you have a purchase and sale agreement here in the state of Washington, at least within the Northwest Multiple Listing Service, you in the state rules are you get five days to review. Like they get 10 days by state law to get you the resale certificate, which by the way, that's business days. That's not you know, calendar days, um, by the way that the contracts are written, I wish they'd change that in our MLS forms because mm-hmm. they, they, they don't mesh correctly the way they talk about timelines. But as once they get that to you, no matter where it is within that 10 day window, uh, if they make sure that they do, uh, cause sometimes prop- property management companies get it to you late. Um, you have five days from receipt and that's five business mm-hmm. days to get that review completed. So if if Rebecca's got a 48-hour window upon receipt of those documents, make sure you're following your contract timely. Like, don't dilly-dally around. Like, you get that. You and your agent need to be getting that forwarded to her immediately. Yes. yes. And those are living documents because they don't, they don't last forever. So even if Rebecca's reviewed this same place a year earlier, things change. Absolutely. They can change significantly in six months between reviews. I did recently. Like, wait a minute, what happened? I just looked at this one. I've right. got a new report, and now it's time to do a window project. Okay, off you go. Yeah, exactly. So, Rebecca, I want to thank you. We're coming up to the end of our time. I definitely want to make sure and say thank you, thank you, thank you again for having come on the show with us today. I truly appreciate it. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to having you come on to talk about other things that are uh, happening here because anything from 2018 and on is uh, also in your bailiwick. So thank you again. And thanks for listening to Open House with Team Reba. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Open House with Team Reba. To contact us, visit Team Reba at Remax Metro Eastside on Facebook or email info at teamreba.com. Join us again next Saturday afternoon at 2 for more Open House with Team Reba. The preceding program was sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Homebridge Financial Services.